Hey everyone, I'm Francesco Akira, the Nova Fireball, the new member of the United Empire. And please enjoy listening Wrestle In. Hello and welcome to On the Indies, where we don't need no stinking tagline. I'm <laughs> MX Sharp. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got me on that one. Uh, I am Adam Ryan, and welcome to our taglineless show. I suppose I could do a. I suppose I could do like an old Ed Whalen intro from Stampede Wrestling. Hello, hello, hello! Welcome to another Wrestling Podcast show. Yeah, I mean, we're still we're still figuring things out. We're still hitting our groove, checking out what our vibe is, our brand, as it were. <laughs> We're just winging it for much like the indie wrestling, which we love so much. We are earnest, but often a little bit of a mess. You just fake it till you make it. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So I hear a rumor that uh, independent wrestling uh, happened at some point during this month. Yeah, looks like uh, so we've got some we're going to discuss some GCW today. I think we're also going to talk about a few matches that we watched Uh online and then uh kind of go from there um but yeah it looks like i think the biggest thing with gcw that i kind of kept tabs on over the past month or so was uh yutami and i'm gonna butcher her last name Hayashi. Hayashi Shida? that's how i always say it i oh know my that's God. not right I, I like i practiced it because it's actually not our our joshi friends are just gonna yell at us i know I'm they so are sorry i'm so sorry i had it and now it's gone it's left in my uh, my brain utami <laughs> Yes, we'll just for the for this for the sake of embarrassing ourselves and trying to pronounce their last name. So this was actually um my kind of my first exposure to Tommy, um, besides like seeing things on, on Twitter and whatnot and being vaguely aware uh that she's out there and super awesome. Yeah. Same. I mean I've I've watched a like a couple matches from stardom here and there, like a couple mm-hmm. of her matches, I think. She had a match, uh, was it on the year-end show last year from Stardom um, mm-hmm. against Julia? Yeah, Stardom is kind of like one of those promotions that's uh, forever on my list, uh, like BDT, um, which I never quite get to because there's so much wrestling out there. Right, agreed. <laughs> so I've seen some, I've seen you, Tommy, in Stardom. And I really, the matches I've seen, I really enjoyed from her. So, and I think it's about time she actually did the U.S. tour. So I was, ex- when, when she was announced for, um, for GCW, just kind of like out of the blue, I was like, wait, what? And it was like two days before the show. She wrestled Kyrie on the year end show last year. That's what it was. Gotcha. I was thinking, I was thinking of a different match, but yeah, no, she wrestled Kyrie on the Dream Queendom show from 2022. And then that's like one of the first actual Utami matches I remember I, I saw. I think I've and I may have seen one or two before that, but I can't I can't remember what they were who they were against or or what yeah. show they were on. But like like you said, this is kind of like my first time you know first time seeing Utami in full. Um, so she did like a three match tour of GCW slash JCW. Uh, she did Billy wrestled Billy Starks and then it was Janai Kai on JCW, correct? Yeah. And then match I was really excited to see was Utami versus Lufisto. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of huge fan of Lufisto. I I may have talked about her a time or two in previous episodes if you go back and listen. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, she's definitely come up before, and she will come up again because she's really awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's great to be to have been seeing her around more for a while for the past little while. So it's really great. And yeah, so Utami, um, as a as a first like real exposure to her, it's like uh, seeing her matches for the first time. I was just obviously just really impressed with her. I think she's I think she's really incredible. She has incredible presence. Um, I feel like and that that gimmick with a rose and giving a rose uh, to somebody in the audience I find extremely charming oh yeah for sure extremely extremely charming and man just the just the gear and like the coat situation going on I've seen a lot of Joshi gear on Twitter and whatnot and it's just um it's always just they're always doing the most and like going a hundred percent. And I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks so great. It looks so cool. It really adds to like the gravity of a match, I think. Oh yeah, for sure. And I, and I thought these, these matches were great. It was, it was a nice variety of different opponents. Um, unfortunately, the one I haven't had a chance to watch yet is the one against Janai Kai, but I, you know, I, it is on my list to watch uh, probably uh, very, very soon. As soon as I can get around to it, the Janai Kai one was uh, was really fun. It was uh, it was very much you know there were there were themes right, and that one was very much you know about kicks and, and strikes given mm-hmm. given Janai Kai. Um, but uh, Billy Starks was one that I really really enjoyed because Billy has just been a big favorite of mine since I started seeing her pretty regularly in GCW. Same, yeah. She she's really really good, and it was, it was exciting for me to see that they announced you Tommy versus Billy Starks. I'm like, okay, this is going to be actually really good, and it yeah, was. And it was the only my only issue with the match is like it's it felt like it was start, just starting to get going, and then just kind of ended. And yeah, yeah. Like the only thing, other than that, I really liked the match. That was just the only thing, my only little complaint about the match itself. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. But I think the the Lufisto match was really great because it kind of was like, you know, at the end of the sort of three match tour, you know, it's it's kind of like, can Utami get the hat trick, right? right. And Lufisto is very much, you know, just one of those older older uh, wrestlers who's seen everything. You know, she's been to Japan. She's familiar with the style. Um, and she's kind of, and she kind of wants to to kind of grind this young whippersnapper under her heel a little mm-hmm. bit. And she's um, Lufisto's really fun as like a, as a presence, as like her charisma is just like like really well honed. I think sometimes a lot of people have a really natural charisma, um, but Lufisto is that natural charisma plus practice. And you can really see her experience in the way that she presents herself, in the way that she moves. And I liked their back and forth during that match. So I thought it was a it was a really good time. Same, yeah. Like, and I, I actually I took notes on the match and actually look, listen, <laughs> actual notes on actual paper. Actual uh, paper. You can tell this guy's serious. <laughs> um. But yeah, when it was first announced, it said, you know, I was like, okay, this is going to be like one of those hard hitting matches. You know, they're going to, they're going to work, you know, they're going to hit each other really, really hard. And eventually they did. But, you know, I think Blue Fisto 
for the majority of the match, she worked submission holds there on, on Utami for probably the first half of the match. And then finally, Utami got some offense in. Um, those forearms and a uh, close near fall on that bridge uh, bridge suplex. Oh yeah, yeah, that was that was the um, that bridge suplex of uh, of Utami's was actually how she had won the match the day before against uh, Junai Kai. Yeah, and they called that out on commentary too. Yeah, yeah, they did. And it says that the uh, you know, so Lufisto had the really good ocean cyclone suplex. Um, and then there was a huge avalanche bomb there that Utami used to win it. But yeah, I thought it was a really, really fun match. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. And it was the it was the main event of the show, which I thought um, was really cool. Yeah, I figured it was like, it'd be, it's gonna be somewhere close to the end. Mm-hmm. You know, main event, most likely, but sometimes GCW surprised me with what they put on as their main event. So sometimes stuff like that, they'll put right in the middle of the show to kind of give the crowd like a like a main event before intermission. But right. I think, you know, since everybody was there to see you, Tommy, it makes sense for her, for them to leave that match to last. Yeah. And, you know, I thought it was really cool to, to have both of them, you know, main event that show. Yeah. And Utami was main event or semi-main rather for the other two shows. So she was definitely, mm-hmm. she was definitely given top billing and she was definitely treated with the gravity uh, that she deserves, which I really appreciated. Um, they did on commentary talk about how much you know GCW has has done to support women's wrestling, particularly in the last two years, and um and I know that I had said uh, similar stuff last episode. It did feel a little bit like to me. I was like I was like all right, you're kind of tooting your own horn on that yeah, one. Like, yeah, like you agree. gotta say it. Like you you maybe don't have to like say it. Like let other people say that for you. Like just do it. Don't pat yourself on the back for how great you've been doing for the last <laughs> two years. Like, oh boy. <laughs> but but I do think I do think that they are at least, you know, walking the walk and that they are like they get, you know, somebody like Utami in um because of the way that they've been able to demonstrate that they like can respect their women talent which seems like a low bar to clear but lord knows uh (laughs) promotions continue to trip over it (laughs) yes yes they do but no gcw they they give exposure to a lot of like up-and-coming talent too which is nice yeah you know know, they gave i think they gave exposure to billy sarks when she was just kind of starting out um they're bringing in you know bringing people like utami like you said maki ito um plenty of others you know ali catch right uh, sawyer wreck and then uh casey kirk we talked about last time right so, and then there's getting women involved in their deathmatch tournaments, which I think is super cool. Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting because, you know, when Utami was announced for GCW, everybody was like, really GCW? Like, that's the one she chooses? Like, she comes to America and like, that's the promotion she's going to? But like, if you think about it for like a sec, like, yeah. <laughs> it makes it, sense. It makes sense. GCW has been doing real stuff with the women on their roster um and has real talent and has people that are that are really into them um and you know uh utami did have a match on roh versus trisha dora which i did want to check out i still have am, am yet to check out yeah um 
terribly behind on ROH. Uh, Although I did watch, yeah. I did watch the pay per view. I didn't watch the whole pay per view, but I did watch Willow versus Athena, which makes me want to try to get back into ROH. That God, match was so good, so good. So that match was so good. And it was the very first time that women had main evented an ROH pay per view. Now they they'd been in the semi main event before. It was mm-hmm. Death Before Dishonor. This is where my ROH nerddom is going to come out. Um, but they were in the semi-main event of Death Before Dishonor 2021, the women's title tournament finals. It was Roxy, okay. so Roxanne Perez, uh, against Miranda Alizé. And that was a really good match, too. So if you're not familiar with Miranda Alizé, definitely someone I, I recommend checking out. She's mm-hmm. got a great look. She's, you know, she's had some really high profile matches she wrestled roxy in roh she's wrestled diana perrazzo in impact mm. um she's popped back up on the new roh tv time or two so yeah definitely someone you know, worth worth keeping your eye on there yeah yeah for sure but yeah utami did did show for a match there which was good she you know she wasn't on tv she wasn't on dynamite and i'm fine with that to be honest right. Like, I didn't need her to have, like, a 10-minute squash match or an exhibition match with, like, you know, one of the one of the members of the AEW roster that, like, barely gets any time week to week. Exactly. Um, you know, I love the women on the AEW roster. I really, really do. I want good things for them. But, you know, if I'm a wrestler coming from Japan and I'm a big deal in Japan, like, I'm in, you know, one of the biggest Joshi promotions in Japan and I'm looking, I'm not super keen to go to AEW. I'd much rather go to GCW. Right. Or maybe even because uh, I know Impact has a working relationship with New Japan. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So maybe even you know I could even see Impact being like under consideration kind of based on their schedule though because they run so sparingly. Right. Um, they run their taping so they're taping in their live events so sparingly maybe once a month. But to that point yeah GCW running pretty much every weekend it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And it was cool. Um, it was interesting because as I was, because uh, I was skipping around and as I was going to uh, watch uh, Utami versus Lufisto, I was I was scanning the show and I saw Mao versus Blake Christian. And I was like, wait, 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 we got to run that back. We got we to gotta, we gotta roll back on that. There was something that was really interesting. So when I went to Brooklyn Fight Night, you know, the main event was Zack Sabre Jr., which made sense. You know, it was Zack's debut. Zack's a pretty big star. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, and Masha was still champion and was semi-main. And I, who can get prickly about these sorts of things, I was, I thought that that was the right call. But I was like a little bit, I was a little bit worried. You know what I mean? So I appreciated that when it came to a big bit like the same situation just reversed mm-hmm. was treated the same way um and that that did strike me again it's one of those things that feels like a low bar to clear but people keep tripping over it so <laughs> i did um i did want to voice my appreciation for it and it is really interesting because i think a lot of people will say that you know, the world championship should always be the main event. And the world championship is often not the main event in GCW. True. It is. Yeah. Um, and I think I, I think that philosophy is better because, 
you know, they have a lot of like exhibition matches or a lot of special matches, or they have matches that have big story behind them. Mm-hmm. And those go on the main event. They don't tie themselves to this rule that the world championship should always be the main event. It's always really important. It's always treated as very important. But sometimes there are things that take precedence, like, you know, a dream match with a foreign talent Mm -hmm. or, you know, like a cage match that's had months of build. I was just thinking about that. Yeah. So I, I really appreciate that about GCW and I appreciate that. I kind of appreciate that Blake Christian is, is champion right now because I'm really enjoying him. Oh yeah. Blake Christian is great. We've talked about him before and just how, just how ridiculous he is in GCW, but, and he's, he's one of the few things that can kind of draw people into GCW too. Like, for example, like my wife is a very casual kind of wrestling fan. So if I'm watching GCW, she'll kind of, Blake Christian comes on, she'll kind of stop and what she's doing. She'll be like, he's really good. He is very good. And the more evil he acts, the more charmed I am by him. Uh, He's terrible. I love it. (laughs) He should be doing that shtick in ROH. He He really should. I mean, he's fine as a baby face, but... I mean, and like, this is just my heel bias. He's much more interesting as a heel. Oh, yeah, for sure. He displays a lot more personality. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, you can really see, like, a sense of humor there. Like, you can really see, like, kind of, like, cleverness. Not necessarily, like, him as a character is very clever. Um, but, like, as like a wrestling mind as like a creative he you can just see how clever he is more with his heel persona i feel mm-hmm. like and just the way he just kind of gets in up there in front of the fans just does that little like dx kind of crotch chop thing it's <laughs> and sticks his tongue out and just like this is just so ridiculous the um it's, it's the eddie guerrero never... moves too i still Everybody. think that that's the funniest thing <laughs> And I seriously thought when he won that title there at the um, Cage of Survival, there was going to be a riot. I seriously thought that. Yeah. These fans are just going to just absolutely riot. And that's like, that's like the difference in heat, right? Like people Mm -hmm. love to talk about heat or whatever, but, and they're like, Ooh, like we'll do the swerve or, you know, we'll, we'll beat the over fan favorite and we'll get a lot of heat. Right. But like what I think a lot of people don't really recognize when they talk about things like that is that like all anger is not the same. And there's a difference between anger at the booking decision and anger at the character like there's a difference between like oh you know the bookers the promotion is dicking us around mm-hmm. and being like so into and like so caught up in like these characters and what's going on that like a character does something that pisses you off so much that you just want to riot and that moment when Blake got the championship was the second one. Right, exactly. And I and I agree completely. There's kind of like goes to the old discussion of like good heat and bad heat. Right. So like the bad heat, you said, you know, would be the promotion messing around with the fans and, you know, doing the stuff the fans don't want to see or 
putting you know putting people in that main event scene or giving the title to, to people that the fans just don't really see. It's like kind of like X Pac Heat. You know, he's on TV forever, and people just you know how can we miss you if you don't go away? Right. Uh, but then there's also the good Heat, like you said, where Blake Christian. Everybody's just so pissed off at Blake Christian. Everybody hates him. But then he wins the title and everybody's just like, what just happened? And then it takes them a minute. Then they start throwing crap into the ring because they're so mad. It's yeah. like, it's, it's very similar. It's not similar, but it's kind of similar to reaction to like when, you know, bash at the beach, 96 Hulk Hogan turning heel, joining the NWO completely out of the blue. And he turns heel and everybody's just like, what just happened? And then you watch in the pay-per-view and the, the ring just gets filled with trash yeah. as they go off the air. It's this burst of emotion, right? It's yeah. all about I think I think that when people talk about, you know, making fans believe when it comes to wrestling, I think it's, you know, it's not necessarily that it literally has to look exactly like a real fight and everything that doesn't look like a real fight is failing in some way. But I think there is a suspension of disbelief that happens that's like it's not reality it's a sort of odd hyper reality where it's like you know the rules in the ring are just kind of a little different they're just kind of a little warped from reality and i think that when it comes to like making fans believe and making fans become invested it's it's the same as it is for any movie or book or video game or story like that. It's it's about understanding emotion and understanding stories and storytelling. And I think the reason that that Blake Christian story of getting the belt happened is that like it makes sense. It mm-hmm. makes sense for the for the characters. It makes sense for the actions. Like there there were steps that were taken for months that it makes sense that it led to that moment it's not just a swerve like there's there is something deeper to it there's a connection there and you can go back and you can trace those dots those breadcrumbs now Blake Christian's a champion you can kind of go back some of those GCW shows from the spring and then earlier this year you can trace those breadcrumbs back so you know here Masha wins the um, do or die rumble and then Blake Christian gets gets mad and attacks her and turns heel in the carousel room. You know they hated him before that. So, um, and then Masha and then Masha goes wins the title. Blake's Blake's over here doing his own thing. Meanwhile, Masha beats Nick Gage for the title, and then Blake comes around, wins that brass ring match at uh, WrestleMania weekend. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, you know these two are going to be on a collision course here eventually, and then boom, it just happened. And you're thinking GCW, okay, they're going to book them in like a you know, for one of the big shows, maybe Homecoming, maybe something like that, you know, one of their big shows in the summer, but nope, they do the whole, like, Money in the Bank Seth Rollins thing, where Blake shows up in the middle of the match, cashes in his brass ring, and just wins the title right there, right then and there. But it, like, it makes sense, like, it was evil, and it was exactly. terrible. That's, that's my point, it makes yeah. sense, you can trace the breadcrumbs back, and you can see, okay, everything's coming together at this one moment, it's like, okay, and then everybody's just like, what just happened? oh my gosh, we're so mad and we're just going to start throwing things into the ring. And it's just, and then now they're off to the races with Blake Christian as champion. Oh yeah. Oh, I think it's great. And you know that, that that rematch with Masha is going to be coming sometime down the line and it's going to be 
insane when yeah. it does happen because they haven't had that one-on-one match yet they haven't and it's gonna be so good when they do it's gonna be yeah. so good but until then you know and i really want masha to win it back from him that's like that's kind of like my wish my hope my prayer i don't really it's not a prediction i don't know where it's going to go but i know that that match is going to be really good and at this point i have enough trust in gcw as a promotion that i feel like that's like it's gonna whatever happens like it's going to like be satisfying in some way do they hold that match off until their year-end shows in atlantic city because that's where this whole thing started. It was on the New Year's Day show. Do they hold that match off until their New Year's Eve, New Year's Day shows in Atlantic City? Um, I wouldn't be mad about it if they did. I think they can. I think if they did do that, you know, it kind of like, that kind of gives, you know, Blake a good run with the belt, especially if Masha ends up with it back. I think, I think if you can keep them away from each other... Um, for that long, I think I think you could. If you're not gonna have it at homecoming, if you're not gonna have it at homecoming, I think you wait until the uh, New Year's matches. I think so too, unless they've got another big weekend coming up in the fall, which right. I can potentially see them doing it there. But I think doing it at the New Year's shows does make sense because then you kind of come full circle. Exactly. Maybe maybe they do something like they do another do or die rumble, Masha wins the do or die rumble and she kind of like cashes that title shot in like right there on blake christian kind of get revenge um i would i mean yes i mean yes that kind of defeats the purpose of having a one-on-one match but then you could also be like okay now if masha wins like a do or die rumble again and then she cashes in her shot right right then and there on blake christian wins the title back it's like okay now we're even we've like cashed in on masha masha cashed in on blake now when that they first have that they had that first one-on-one match that's gonna be that's gonna be crazy my i contend that i think i think blake cashing in on masha was was the tit for tat now or even from masha um hiding through most of the do or die rumble and then popping up and beating blake that's a fair point yes so like i think we have that parody and i think if they're going to do it at New Year's, it needs to be a straight-up one-on-one singles match with no bells and whistles. True, and then maybe come back with some sort of stipulation match if it if it if it devolves into chaos. They could, they certainly could, and it would certainly be good. But I think that this story doesn't need that. You know, stipula- stipulation matches are good, and I am the last person <laughs> to argue against a stipulation match. But I think for this particular story. I don't think it's necessary. It, it is right now the biggest match I think GCW can put together. I think so. Yeah, I think so for sure. Yeah, uh, for, and sure, it, for sure. You've been looking at their homecoming weekend. I mean, as of what's announced, when we're, as of when we're recording this, you know, it's already a loaded show. You mean you've got Nick Gage and Makito against Cardona and SDL, mm-hmm. um, Joey Janelle and Sawyer Wreck against Charles Mason Perro double dog collar match. Um, oh, that'll be good. That'll be really we, good, actually. Yeah, well, it'll be, it's gonna be a bloody good time. Pun sure fully intended. Will. Fully intended. Ultra violent title: Rina Yamashka against Takashi Sasaki. Uh, Six way scramble match: Gringo Loco Lucha Scramble: Gringo Loco Erez Commander. 
by Kingo, Alex Zane, Ninja Mac. That's crazy. Alec Price, Leon Slater. That's just night one. Um, night two, Dragon Kin versus Commander, and then Dante Leon, Ninja Mac against Alec Price and Cole Radrick. Yeah, it's loaded. Yeah, that's pretty yeah, loaded. That's, yeah, they haven't announced a world title match yet. I'm sure they will shortly. Mm-hmm. Um, it might. It could still be Masha. It could still be. You just yeah. Like I said, that's how, that's what's announced as of the time we're recording this. So as of press time, I guess you could say. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, keep an eye out on the on those on GCW's Twitter because that's where they announce all their matches. And if we see that graphic for Blake and Masha go up, we're just gonna be like, okay, this is probably all we're gonna talk about on the next show. Yeah, yeah. If they for do sure. their match. It'd be, it'd be an hour of us talking about Blake versus Masha. I it will be. It will be. Um, I apologize for nothing. Me either. <laughs> But now, now that you've said hold off until New Year's, like I kind of want it. <laughs> it'd be like a late, it'd be like a late Christmas present if they hold off till New Year's. It would be, it would be. The New Year shows are so special too. But yeah, but this time, so this match that I saw of Blake Christians was against Mao. Um, oh yeah, we were talking about that, weren't we? We were talking about that, and then we started talking about Masha and fantasy booking, which you know I, I think is valid of us. Of course. <laughs> So, Mao, my friend earlier in the year uh, took a trip to Japan, ended up seeing um, a couple of shows and imprinted immediately on Mao. So now because my friend loves him, I also have to love him due to the transitive property of wrestling fans. Yeah, I'm not too familiar with Mao, honestly. I I'm not either, pretty- to be honest. Okay, I was going to say, he's part of DDT, right? Yes, yeah. Okay, I don't follow DDT all that close. I mean, I know I know some of the names, like Mao, and, and basically those that were on the DDT versus GCW show <laughs> over Mania Weekend, like Mao and, and Junakiyama and people like that. Yeah, yeah, much like Stardom, DDT is one of those that I always mean to watch and then don't. Um... But um, he's really interesting. He's also um, an outspoken My Chemical Romance fan. And as a My Chemical Romance fan, that endears him to me quite a bit. <laughs> his his tagline is a fucked up wrestler for a fucked up world, which is really relatable <laughs> for me. <laughs> So he was great. And it was just like, it was one of those, it was one of those matches with, um, uh, a beautiful empty-headed baby face and uh, Blake bullying. Very good stuff. Love those types of matches. But Mao is really interesting as a wrestler. So this is the first match of his that I've been able to see. And I found that he like he's he's got these really interesting ways of like doing different moves and stuff that I haven't really seen in other matches. He did this interesting thing where Blake Christian kind of had him in a hold and he like was like baiting like he was like kind of like he kind of like twisted himself into a knot sort of and was like baiting Blake Christian with like see look there's my wrist don't you want to grab my wrist and make this hold work <laughs> um and 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 Blake was like no 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 and then Mao like did the bait thing again but like gave Blake the middle finger and Blake took the bait and he was able to like wiggle out of the hold real quick oh that that's great which was really great i i found that very charming he did this awesome like 
roll through into like a cobra stretch that I hadn't like I hadn't seen a transition like that before where he just like kind of did a roll and like rolled over Blake and like all of a sudden Blake was in a cobra stretch he had a couple of like those sorts of moves Blake tried to do the oh no um I'm pulling the rest of uh, referee in front of me so you can't get me and Mao dove over the res- uh, referee in order to give Blake a cutter. And like that looked really cool. He's just got really inventive moves and he's just uh, really smooth as a wrestler. I was very impressed by him. Yeah, I, th- I think I've seen like a match or two of his. Um, Might have been one of those shows. Might have been like on a, on a random independent show or maybe on like on AEW Dark or something like that. Uh, and from what I saw, I mean, I I enjoyed him. I, I thought he's thought he's a pretty good wrestler. So it might have been like on a, a Noah show as well. I think I saw him. Yeah, it was on the Noah show. I, I think I saw him. He was on he was on one of those uh, Keiji Muto retirement shows that I watched. Right, right. That makes yeah, sense. So I, yeah. So I, I think I, I think I saw a couple of his matches then. And yeah, and I thought he was pretty good. So I mean, I didn't have a chance to watch the, this particular match yet, mm-hmm. um, but I'm definitely it's definitely on my list. But I did watch also the um, from that same show, Maki Ito against Billy Starks. Uh-huh. I thought it was really fun, really fun match. So that they did like a little pose down spot, kind of like where they were doing. You know, it's like a pose off, like kind of like idle poses and things like that. And then then Maki just got mad and kicked Billy really hard, and it was really <laughs> really ridiculous. Um, but I, I mean, it worked. It was like it was like this is fun. It's like you know people get mad about stuff like that all the time. I'm like, come on, it's, it's fun. It's, it's, it's wrestling. People are, you know, it's, it's, it's shtick is what it is. It's fun. Exactly. Speaking, speaking of people who get mad at silly wrestling shticks <laughs> on, mm. on your recommendation. Oh, geez. You're, you're going to hold this one over my head, aren't you? Uh huh. Um, I did watch that, uh, fish market match from tna (laughs) it's so ridiculous so okay 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 am i correct in my interpretation that this fish market street fight came about because jim Cornette didn't like how much these wrestlers weighed i don't i don't remember i don't like, Honestly, was remember, that, was TNA, that... TNA TV around that time is so hard to keep track of. And mind you, it'd been like, I, I watched the show, it'd been like, let's see, this was Destination X 2008, for the record. Uh-huh. So I think I watched, I think I watched this show not long after it first aired uh, with some friends of mine, and I haven't seen it since. Uh-huh. So, But the fish market match is the one thing I remember from this show. It is memorable. It is, and good and bad. It's remem- it's rememberable. Um, but they did this whole gimmick, like right at the beginning, where you know Jim Cornette, who was the storyline commissioner of TNA at the time, you know, he weighs he weighs the Dudleys in, and they have to make weight, otherwise they're fired. So I don't know the whole pretext or you know, what you know what have you behind that whole storyline with them, but I know that they were feuding with Shark. You know this was. For the right, it's Dudley's against Shark Boy and Curry Man. So, uh, I, I think they made it a fish market street fight because they had to have some sort of stipulation because Shark Boy was involved, be, just to make it you know 
a bit ridiculous. Oh, it was ridiculous. This was also the time where Vince Russo was in charge of creative for TNA. So you had all these goofy gimmick matches all the time. Um, like Elevation X was on this show. He, he They did stuff like the reverse battle royals back then where you had to fight to get in the ring. Right, uh, instead of, heard of throwing that. someone out of the ring. There was I mean, about a year before this, there was a series of matches between Sting and Abyss where they did a last rights match. And it was like a, a takeoff of a casket match. And it was bloody and crazy and i mean it was it's it was memorable for sure so uh-huh. Uh-huh. and they had like they had like jackass people getting involved with the x division i think in like 2006 too or, or something like that so they were doing jackass kind of stuff in the x division and, and then kevin nash bearing x division people on camera so it, it was kind of ridiculous uh, it was yeah. a, an interesting time for sure but I am a I am a I am a person who uh, enjoys a great deal of ridiculousness in wrestling. Yes. I have a high Same. tolerance for absurdity in wrestling. Same. I think that wrestling is uniquely suited to over the top campy absurdity, and I support that. That being said, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> There's, there's so much to unpack with this match. There really is. Okay. Like, there's so much to unpack with this my, match. My first question is, how did they get the fish tables there with the ice and everything? I'm like, where did they keep this stuff at? You know, it had not up until this moment occurred to me to consider the logistical process of having tables full of fish and ice everywhere and like what did they do they with the not. fish and like what because they threw fish you know, they did throw fish into the cart into the crowd and they threw it's fish like, into i would have left did they go find these dead fish in I the crowd left. i would have left imagine, imagine imagine the people who work for that venue who have to clean the venue afterwards Oh man, I just, I don't even, it's, it's ridiculous. There's a reason they've only done this match once. I, uh, why did they do it the first time is is my question. Fair point. I am, I'm going to, I am, I am going to leave every comment question and concern regarding Curry Man out, out of love for Christopher Daniels. I'm just not going to spend a lot of time with that except to say i have comments questions and concerns (laughs) um and um also you know what the uh the uh fat shaming element was mean and i didn't like it i didn't either (laughs) um it was not cute uh it was not fun and it is exactly the sort of humor that I would expect from the likes of uh, Vince Russo and Jim Cornette. So, you yeah, know, there's that at least. Yeah, same. And it, that, that sort of stuff does not age well in any context. No, no. I mean, because it's mean, right? It is. There's, like, there is, you can do humor without being mean. And I think that humor that is not predicated on, like, being mean to, like, a person or a certain type of person is always going to at least not age quite so badly um as as this sort of thing which did occur 
mm-hmm. and I did put into my brain. Yeah, that's that's one thing I didn't. That's one thing I didn't really get about the match. I'm like, why do they got to? Why do they have to do this? But I mean, I, I don't. I like I said, I don't understand the whole context behind the whole way and stuff that they were doing before the match. Trying to follow, you know, TNA Impact in 2008 is is pretty much an impossible task at some point. Possibility, an impossibility. Um, yes, because it's all over the place. But you know. <laughs> When I did enjoy Don West's commentary on this match because he was just like going absolutely, he's like, "Get this fish out of here!" Oh my god, he was yelling, he was, he was yelling at everybody, get these, because they kept throwing fish at the at him and Mike Tenay ringside, and he just kept he he just kept going. He was like, "Oh, this smells so bad." It's it, Don, Don West is a national treasure. <laughs> The whole thing was was ill considered on many different levels. It was, it was, but it was just, and then it was so because, like I said, I hadn't watched it in like fifteen years, and it was just, it was, it was so wild, and just them taking those, getting thrown into those racks of ice or whatever that the fish were on, and and then you know, Shark Boy and them celebrating with the clam juice, and I was like, this is just so over the top, and it's just completely ridiculous. It's like I. Yeah, it's it's not it's not an all time classic, but I thought it was at least fun, and you know, in, in the context of Shark Boy, it kind of got him over. I should say it got him over. It kind of gave him like a, a gimmick match, I, I should say, like a fish fish market street fight, mm. kind of the pretext behind it. I I, w- I would guess. I did find Shark Boy to be charming. Um, Shark, Boy's, there, Shark Boy is fantastic. There we was like there was like this this sort of cute story of like Shark Boy and Curry Man learning to to work together and becoming a big tag team threat, which was cute. Um, mm-hmm. um, I mm, mm. and they, they hung around together as a team for a while. After that, they teamed up with um, Eric Young, who became Super Eric. Okay, and they were like a, they were like a super uh, they were like a, a superhero brotherhood. So that's very cute for a while so i think i forget the name of the stable that they were part of but it was they were like all these these, you know these these superheroes and it was it was it was actually kind of one of the more uh you know fun things that they did in tna in 2008 yeah 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 but i i think i think the um i think the fish market gimmick uh was uh was is is my limit i've discovered my limit i've discovered my limit (laughs) now whenever you see it now whenever you watch a ridiculous match you're like okay was this Mm -hmm. on the on the fish market scale on on the on the fish market scale is this a did this flounder no (laughs) no i'll i'll stop stop there with the fish joke That's terrible. Quick before, <laughs> quick before Adam makes any more. You can, you can watch it. Watch match is so bad. You're like, well, this flounder just as bad as the fish market street no! fight. Oh, okay. Um, and now for something completely different. <laughs> Sorry, I, I had you serve that one up. You serve that one up on a bed of ice. <laughs> <laughs> all right we'll, we'll we'll move on from that for the for, for, 
palate cleanser. A little palate cleanser. As a little palate cleanser. Sorry, because I don't like seafood anyway. Yeah. Jesus. We have Jay Briscoe versus Mark Briscoe. NWA Wild Tide Freedom Fight 2002. Mm-hmm. So um, ancient as far as indie wrestling matches go. Yes. Ancient. And and I had just discovered this match as unfortunate, unfortunate as it was when Jay Briscoe passed away earlier this year. Somebody mm-hmm. posted online. I think it was, um, uh, I want to say it was... Uh, Dan Wilson, Reverend mm-hmm. Dan Wilson, who, you know, he's been involved with NWA Wildside, NWA Anarchy, and he's still active on the independent scene, manager of Tank uh, right now in the Southern Independence. Um, but he was a commentator for NWA Wildside at the time. And I think he post. I think it was him that posted the link to this match. It was either him or it might have been uh, Chris Selner on Twitter. One of the two, they posted, they posted the link to this match and I pulled it up and I watched it. I was like, this is so good. Mm-hmm. And I watched and then it popped up again on this DVD I was watching, you know, best of NWA Wildside Juniors. And then I was like, okay, I got to send this to MX. She will absolutely love it. Yeah, it was, it was very good. It's really incredible to me. You know, sometimes when I uh, go looking into the histories of my favorite wrestlers of today and I, you know, go way back earlier in their careers, like it's really, it really strikes me how good they always were somehow. Mm-hmm. And that's how I feel about the Briscoes in this match. So we have Mark Briscoe at 18 and Jay Briscoe at 19. So kind of unsaid, I think, is that Mark Briscoe has definitely been wrestling regularly up to this point. Right. But has been too young. <laughs> to uh to to actually be legally booked in matches so this i don't know if this is like sort of a functioning as a debut match for him but it's very very early in the point in his career where he's allowed to be in a wrestling ring (laughs) yeah i'm just looking it up on cage match real quick here just to see yeah kind of where this falls in the in the pantheon of things so yeah it looks like it was two years uh into his career at this point so right and he'd pop you know obviously he'd, he'd been on he was on those early ring of honor shows not wrestling but uh, he'd wrestled some, you know, independence, I guess, around Maryland and whatnot before then too. Right. In CZW, it looks like. So ECWA as well. But he, you know, that first Ring of Honor show, he couldn't, he wasn't legally old enough to compete. Right. So that's why he was ringside. I think he was, he was ringside, correct, for that, for Jay Briscoe. I'm fairly I'm pretty sure yeah. yeah. It's been a while since I've seen that first Ring of Honor show. Yeah. But yeah, I think the first match he had in Ring of Honor was, uh, yeah, August of 2002, when he fought Jay Briscoe. Okay. At the Boston, I think it was, yeah, their Boston debut. Because again, they weren't in Pennsylvania. And this particular match, for the record, it took place in Cornelia, Georgia. So in case you're wondering where, where in the world it took place, Cornelia, Georgia, at the NWA Arena, which is the it's been known as the church of Southern wrestling for many, many years. So that's where it was the home base of wild side, uh, home base of NWA anarchy and several other, um, promotions around, around that area. So, and it's, it's basically, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of it, but it's basically like an old kind of barn. It fits like 300 people. Okay, cool. Yeah. So this match, um, it really struck me how good they already were at this point and they're teenagers. Um, 
and it was just it was really it was really interesting to watch it kind of had you know that that general sort of sibling rivalry kind of gimmick that people like to trot out for sibling versus sibling stories which i don't necessarily like think that that's a bad thing at all that's a trope for a reason yeah and i don't i don't think it's a bad thing i think that's i think it's pretty i mean it it always brings out good matches for the most part yeah yeah and it was just kind of so like the the through line was you know mark wanting to prove himself now that he's actually old enough to start getting booked places he wants to prove he doesn't want to like you know be in his brother's shadow or or something like that and this match was a very mat wrestling heavy match lots Mm -hmm. of counters that's one of the things that i really love about either you know brother versus brother matches or like tag team partner like partner versus partner matches or even just matches between two people who have a long history together is when they start countering like doing counters of their moves i always love that as um as sort of a storytelling beat like yeah like these people know each other so well they can do counter after counter after counter Mm -hmm. because they know what they're going to do i love that as like a as a storytelling element and it's it's always called on the commentary too yes with this match with this match it's been called out on the on the Brett and Owen match from WrestleMania 10 mm-hmm. uh several times during their feud uh pretty much every brother brother versus brother Matt versus Jeff Hardy you know pretty much every brother versus brother feud they call it out on commentary okay these guys know each other's moves so well they have to, they have the counters to each other's counters um and in this this case this match it was you know it was completely true you know it was like you said very mat based technical match you know, completely not what you would expect from maybe if you're familiar with like later briscoes from like 2019 2020 roh uh, you know or the bloody ftr matches if those are your first exposure to the bl- briscoes but if you go back and watch this match and you see like a mat based match you're gonna be like wait this isn't what i expected but you know if you just kind of s- sit and watch it and learn the story and you know, follow follow along with everything. You're like, yeah, th- this match definitely holds up. And, and the pantheon of the Briscoe versus Briscoe matches, and I think it's you know really underrated. It's, I think it's forgotten about too because it didn't happen within that ROH bubble. Right. Yeah. And it was it was really good. It was really interesting. And also, I think this was kind of a more of an era where like sort of this mat based wrestling was a lot more common although commentary did do this thing where they were really patting themselves on the back uh, about how um cultured and intelligent they were that this is like some real mat based wrestling and not sports mm-hmm. entertainment and like in that way it's like a bookend to the the fish market scale because there's that <laughs> which is very bad. And then there's this self-satisfaction over how enlightened you are for liking that wrestling, which is the other end of the scale well, for they, me. <laughs> there's a lot of, there was a lot of that happened in mid in like 2000s independent wrestling because oh, everybody sure. was so down in WWE. So if you watch a show from that era, at least once they're going to call it out, you know, this is professional wrestling. This is, this is real you know, not, professional not, wrestling. Not sports entertainment. And then it, it's across the board. The whole during the whole era it's not just wild side you, you can hear it on roh commentary sometimes from shows during that era uh even you can hear it and if you watch tna from like 2004 2005 yeah uh, you'll you'll hear it 
you'll hear him mention it several times over. I suppose it like in 2002 that talking point hadn't like run itself all the way into the ground and become like some grinding cliche uh, used to sort of hate on people who enjoyed things that were fun. <laughs> right, yeah. I think, um, you know, philosophically, I think when it comes to wrestling, I re- like the really, really ridiculous sort of, you know, the dance-off sort of thing. Um, and I like things that are very technical and skill-based and mat-based. And I do like mat wrestling, you know, when it's done well, obviously. And it's definitely like this match. Like this match. Exactly. Um, it's definitely something that has a time and a place. But I don't think all wrestling needs to look like this. I think some wrestling definitely should look like this. And I think this is an excellent example of how this type of wrestling can look. And it's got, you know, a really, like, a real story to it. There's this point when Mark Briscoe kind of, like, uses his older brother's concern for him against him. He's kind mm-hmm. of playing possum a little bit to bait Jay Briscoe in. Um, he, like, almost gets Jay in this one, uh, at, at this one point, but Jay manages to get his foot on the rope. You know, there's, like, a lot of, like, a lot of little stuff like this. I thought this match was very well, co- uh, constructed. I am not, um, a great scholar of the Briscoes. I haven't seen a whole lot of their matches. I haven't watched them particularly closely, but, you know, if a listener um, is really into the Briscoes or has seen a lot of their stuff. I know that for me, it's always really fun to watch a wrestler's older stuff and to see how they've evolved, like what moves they still use, or like maybe there's like an earlier iteration of a move that eventually evolved into something that like turned into a signature for them or something like that. Exactly. Um, I can't trace that lineage, but. Somebody definitely can, and they should. It's very fun. Uh, Yeah, I'm horrible at tracing lineages, too. Uh, (laughs) But I will say, like, this match is free on YouTube. So if you haven't haven't seen it, it's on... uh, There's a channel that posts all this stuff from NWA Anarchy and NWA Wildside, which is, honestly, all really good. And you should go watch all of it. um, Because NWA Wildside is really this hidden gem that I don't think a lot of people know about. Because they... A lot of people came from there. The Briscoes, just looking at the card for that particular show that this was on, and you got people in there like Slim J, the Briscoes, Caprice Coleman, Jimmy Rave, AJ Styles, David Young, Rain Man, Iceberg, Tank. You know, all these all these people came from NWA Wildside. So this was like one of their biggest show. This was one of like their big summer show that they did pretty much every year. And then they always did a War Games match for this show too. So like the main event of this show was a War Games match, and the winner became the Wildside Heavyweight Champion. But, you know, definitely go check out some NWA Wildside. Start with this match. This was a good kind of like a good table setter, I guess, for lack of a better term for me for NWA Wildside, because I'd seen that I saw this and I saw the um, the War Games match from 2006, uh, which I wrote about back in February from NWA Anarchy, which kind of took the place of Wildside after they shut down. So there's a whole lineage there. But if you haven't seen any of this stuff, I mean, this is a good, good entry point for it definitely recommend going checking out some of that stuff and also it's good to check out hidden gems like this too because you know if you're only familiar with the briscoes and roh and and their roh work which is great you know but definitely seek out the hidden gems like that because they wrestled for places like wild side they wrestled for czw 
they wrestled for all these little different independent promotions in the early days. And it's fun to kind of go through, find all these uh, different matches they've had against different people around the horn. Uh, they've even wrestled some for Pro Wrestling Noah in like 2007, 2008, looks like. So go dig kind of under the surface. You'll never know what you're going to find. Yeah, it's always great. It's always great, especially if, you know, if there's a wrestler that you particularly like to like go and, you know, kind of see where they came from. Um, and you really can uh, find a lot of hidden gems and YouTube is great for that because there's like a lot of older stuff uh, that you can find on there. And then, you know, and as far as stuff that's happening right now, GCW Homecoming is coming up uh, in August. That's going to be here soon. And that is going to be an amazing show. It's one of their big shows of the year. Even if you don't watch GCW regularly, I definitely think you should check out Homecoming because it's absolutely going to be a banger. They're really going to pull out all of the stops. Oh, I, I think so too. Yeah. And it's going to be, that's going to be a wild show. We talked, we kind of ran down the card earlier. So. Yeah um smash wrestling i mentioned this last show they've got their they've got a big show coming up super showdown uh with kevin bennett versus psycho mike in a cage so that's their big title match they got coming up there's all uh, wrestling revolvers got a show coming up on august 3rd with uh jake christ against matt cardona for the revolver title jt dunn against masha slamovich masha slamovich sorry uh leo rush versus myron reed for the x division title John Moxley versus Gringo Loco in a Lucha Street fight. Oh, hell yeah. Um, and then Max the Impaler against Jessica, uh, among other things. That actually sounds like a crazy good card. Yeah, it does. And then uh, they also have a show on September 2nd uh, featuring Speedball Bailey against uh, Shun Skywalker from Dragon Gate. Uh, so there's lots of stuff. There's lots of great yeah. wrestling that's going to be available to watch this upcoming month. And uh, and we'll definitely run that all run that all down next month. See what yeah. see what we saw, or at least some of it. At least some of it. <laughs> but um, so until next time, thank you for listening to On the Indies. Please check out the other podcasts on the Wrestle In Network. We have All Elite Listening, Flight of Five, Ace Techers, Ocean Cyclone Show, Purovision, Tokyo Joshi Freedom Fighters, and ChocoCast plus our Patreon-exclusive shows like Into the Wrestlerverse, Noob Japan, and more. So check us out on Patreon or simply search Wrestlin' wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at FakeSportFeel. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, which I think is now known as X. I'm not We're, sure. We do not Who acknowledge. Knows? We do not no. acknowledge that in this house. No, it's it's like one of those one of those gimmick changes you just don't don't acknowledge. Yes, you can find me on on that on Twitter at writeradam84. You can also uh, I'm also on Blue Sky, same handle. So if you're if you're on Blue Sky, you know find me there. Um, also on Twitter at history of HWA, and I have the weekly history of hwa Substack. um sign up for that there as well it would make me very happy if you signed up for it so definitely sign up for the Substack, and hopefully we'll see you next time bye bye